Well, hello, and welcome to our first great Starfinder, Starfinder panel of PaizoCon, where we're excited to be telling you about some of the great new places you can explore, because we have a new book coming out, the Galaxy Exploration Manual, that we're going to tell you all about today, sharing some of the previously unseen uh, pages within it, as well as some of the stories behind the scenes of how it came to be. Uh, but I'm sure not doing that on my own. Uh, I'm joined by three awesome colleagues who let's meet right now, starting with Leo. Hi, I'm Leo. I'm the managing editor at, at Paizo. Uh, I'm super happy to be here to talk about the Galaxy Exploration Manual with you today. How about Sol? <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm Sol, Sol St. John. I am the uh, newest member of the editing team. I've been here for about six months. And uh, I am, uh, Jem was my first Starfinder book. So this is really exciting to, to be talking about. And my first panel, so I'm a little stumbling and nervous, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all about discovering new things in this book. And uh, speaking of bringing this book to the stage, Joe, care to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, this is not my first panel, but I'm also nervous. So <laughs> shout outs to that. Um, <laughs> I am Starfinder's lead designer, and I was the lead developer for this book. And I'm John Compton. I'm Starfinder's senior developer. So worked alongside Joe on bringing this book to fruition from beginning to end. Uh, so really, Gem, uh, Galaxy Exploration Manual is a really new concept for uh, Starfinder as far as a, a type of book that we've done. Like, it's really natural when our team does something like a new Alien Archive. We we have a model for that. We we know what a character options book looks like. But Galaxy Exploration Manual is really different. Uh, Joe, I understand that you brought this book kind of to the front for the team and uh, made your initial pitch. Can you tell me a bit about how this came to be or what we were aiming to do with it? Yeah, so uh, in the old days, uh, we would get together in a room, uh, in the same room, and talk to each other about what we wanted to do for future Starfinder books. And, you know, it's a very free-for-all pitch things. We have things we know we want to do for the brand, things we know we want to do to explore uh, player options, things like that. And in this case, I had just kind of come off the uh, Deck of Many Worlds, which is a Starfinder accessory that's a deck of cards that lets you generate a random sci-fi sci fantasy world. Um, in just a few seconds with a few cards. Um, and I kind of, I pitched the idea of doing a whole book like that. Um, you know, one of the things that we wanted for Starfinder, but we wanted a few things for Starfinder. One is we know a lot of people play outside our setting in their own settings that they create. We know there's a big drive for doing adventures and campaigns where you are just in your ship, your starship, and you're just going off into space. And I, as a GM, I know how daunting that can be for GMs <laughs> to be like, uh, yeah, we're going to just fly into in that direction. What's over there? And when it's an entire galaxy that could be over there, then uh, it's definitely helpful to have some guidance. So this book is all about generating entire worlds, populating them, um, having adventure ideas, uh, treasure, just, um, and then it's full of player options too, because one of the things we do with our Starfinder hardcovers is make sure it's for all players, whether you're a GM or a uh, running a player character, right? So uh, lots of support from the team for that idea, general idea. And we got, we have a great book with uh, with stuff that is specifically for GM, stuff that's specifically for players, and a lot of stuff that's really for anybody who's interested in Starfinder, but also creating their own uh, stuff in the Starfinder galaxy. So 
I'm beyond excited about this and I look forward to talking more with my friends here about all the stuff that's in this book. Yeah, there, there's a lot that went into playing this and um, Joey started to reference a little bit about just like tables and options and things like that. This this book is full of tables. So it's, it's very much a, a resource for if you don't know where to go next or what to do next with your story or your characters or anything, there's probably a table you can roll on to get some ideas to run with. Uh, and in fact, the book starts with that. We're going to see about going through the book from beginning to end uh, together with you and our, our fans here. And um, the way it starts is just like how any story starts from the before times with character backgrounds. Um, so when we start looking forward to the backgrounds, and there's some really cute art that we can bring up uh, of young Quig here. Uh, in fact, we, we got our, <laughs> uh, he's so adorable. <laughs> he's he's already planning out uh, what Scout is going to look like his drone when he's when he's grown. Um, yeah, so we have tons of different uh, life stages that you can basically randomly generate in creating your character. So I'm thinking just to illustrate some of the possibilities what we have, uh, we have our uh, copies of the PDF among our panelists. Uh, we also have some dice. So I was thinking, let's go ahead and create a character together just to show how it goes. Um, so Sol, do you want to start us off with the home world? <laughs> Apologies, having mouse trouble, but yes, sure, I can start us off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, I love this because um, I, I was saying before the panel, I actually used this table um, when I was first hired. Uh, Leo was getting me into, uh, Leo proposed that I, I play through a five, uh, fly through your die campaign that he was DMing to learn the Starfinder setting and the rules and everything. And so I was thinking about that character while we were working on this book. Uh, and I was actually looking at some of these tables and used them used some of the ideas from these tables to build my character for that game uh and so i have rolled a four uh on my d100s awesome. so that gives us our place uh, our place of origin is going to be the first one it's the your home world is a terrestrial planet overrun with dangerous creatures such as giant animals enraged elementals swarms of voracious vermin tormented undead or massive colossi <laughs> One of the Bummer. things I really love about these tables is how, like, the, the responses start to sound very mundane and then just take a real, real dangerous left turn. Oh, giant animals, that's fine. Undead and elementals. Okay, well, this is off to this off to a fine start. At the very least, our player character grew up on a place that has ground. Um, so <laughs> this is a starting point. Uh, Leo, what sort of major event uh, shook our character from their growing up into their adventuring life? Let's see. I will roll my D100. Um, I got a 49. So as I bring my PDF up here, let's see. That's a There we go. Um, you spent time with someone who inspired you to follow in their footsteps, such as a crime lord. Ooh, I like that. Doctor, musician, or war hero. You idolize them, whether they deserve it or not. So we have an infatuation uh, with with a crime lord. And I just to, I guess, give a quick anecdote as we as we compile that. The, I, I wanted to kind of reinforce what Joe said that I really love about this book is I remember sitting in that brainstorm for the deck of many worlds 
uh, and I I remember 20 people in a room because yes, those were back in the days when we we brainstormed in rooms, uh, and and there were all these great ideas, wacky, zany ideas uh, of all these different planets, and I just remember Joe and I used to have these cubicle talks where we both kind of pop up and and talk about different things going on in our lives, and I remember one day after that, Joe was just like, you know. I think we could do a whole book about this. And this 49 here is a good example uh, of, of just how much flavor can really be infused uh, into the Starfinder universe. And I love this book because um, there are just so many great books everywhere here and so much to explore. And we got to do something, like Joe said, that isn't just GM-focused, but player-focused. So this this can help you make a character. This can help you uh, make an NPC. It's, it's really, really versatile, and I love that. So 49. Yeah, and, and one of the things I really love about that result in particular is that it it reminds you as a player that creating a character can be a conversation with your group and your GM. This is like, hey, look at all these options of people that could be your hero. Um, talk it through with the GM and be like, so apparently my character idolizes a crime lord, and the GM can be like, I can work with that. So this really is a, a, a resource for everybody. Um, but that might not be the only person who's part of our life. Joe, I see step three, his influential associates. Uh, these are people yeah. who could be like your own idols or heroes or, or contacts. So what's our, what's our hapless PC got for here? All right. I'm going to be upfront with you. I don't have a D 100 or a percentile dice right now. So I'm rolling three D six. So we're not going to get <laughs> any potential options a little weighted. But I got a 10, and that is still random. So that's going to give us a, uh, our, in, our influential associate is a socially awkward loner that taught us an important lesson. They're independent and capable, but battling loneliness. They might be an exile, hermit, or introverted intellectual. They've likely been hurt or taken advantage of by others in the past, but they trust you or trust us, whoever we are. So we've got, we've got a, an exile, I would say, on this planet. Uh, somebody hiding from all the swarms of whatever <laughs> is swarming all over it, and the crime lords. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I, I I do see that story starting to take shape where it's person raised by crime lord. Now they're like, oh, this is bad. Well, I'm sure there are other role models out there, and it's just a cackling hermit who does not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm... A crime lord on a planet full of like giant creatures, which makes me think like maybe a. Uh, a poacher maybe or a mm. uh, oh, yeah. somebody who goes after giant creatures and like poaches the goods and trades them on the black market Ooh. that would be fun <laughs> yeah okay. that, that that's a better direction that i was taking which was like a crime lord who's uh, collecting protection money from all the lions um but, <laughs> so, <laughs> and once again this becomes a conversation there... where you throw around ideas yeah, and, and it looks like one of our brainstorm meetings they're, they're both good ideas. Uh, maybe Souls is a little more, <laughs> has more likes on it. Who knows? Well, right, hold so on. what if they're uplifted lion? Ah, fair enough. Great, <laughs> you're going to get calls for uplifted lions to us now. What have you done, Leo? Oh, it's possible. All right, so so uh, finally, we have a party relationships one that I'll roll. And party relationships are like, why do your PCs care about each other? Like, what has brought you together? Um, or the the more common way of phrasing it, why have we not killed each other already? Uh, and I have a 21 <laughs> for that. <laughs> Look, you run games your way, I run games the way I know. Uh, you and this character are competitive rivals striving to outdo one another. Whether your rivalry is friendly or cutthroat, you push each other to try harder. 
uh, aim higher and achieve greater feats and reach your full potential. I, I mean, this really reads like an anime to me, and I'm totally here for yeah. it. Um, <laughs> for so, sure. Yeah, I will. I will absolutely play the lancer to this uh, this hermit raised Shuren of yours. Uh, so yeah, that, that's just a quick sense of like how the character background generation can go, and this is really reflective of how so many of our other chapters in this book uh, can work, where each one is accompanied by some cool tables that say, uh, do you need some more ideas uh, after reading this cool introduction and, and list of possibilities? Here, take it, run. Um, so with that, um, I'm kind of content to move on to some of our character options. Uh, like Joe mentioned, there are tons of new character options, uh, new, new possibilities for each of our uh, playable classes. And um, I'm kind of interested in hearing what people are excited about in this. Um, and I'm just going to start because we have some art up of our Barathu mechanic uh, going on here. This is one of the cool things uh, in ordering art for this book is I decided to play around with some of the not core species. Uh, and I absolutely love our our Barathu art and I love this welder guy. So it's just like, yes, I want to illustrate more of non-humanoid creatures. Um, the Barathu or the, the mechanics in this case um, have a couple of things like uh, being able to create stuff on the fly out of just random scrap in case you crash landed and need to turn your starship into a flamethrower. Uh, who else has some cool <laughs> stuff that they'd love to talk about? So uh, you kind of mentioned there, you know, like if you crash land on a planet, what are the, the themes of a lot of these uh, player options? Because we have player options for all 10 classes. I say all 10, all 10 that exist as of right now. <laughs> hint, hint. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, there, are, there are new options for each of those 10 classes, and they're all kind of themed around exploration and being out there on the fringes of the galaxy and, and trying to think. So I, I'm, I'm fond of the, uh, the two new mystic connections that we have. Um, Trailblazer and Xeno Ambassador, which are themes we've hit on before with various uh, rules mechanics, but now we have full-on mystic connections for those. And they kind of speak for themselves, so I'll, I'll let the details, you know, come out as they come out. But it's, I just love that uh, it's not just new stuff, but it, it has to do with with exploring the galaxy. Go figure, in the Galaxy Exploration Manual. Who could have guessed? <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> I, really, uh, I really like the... Uh, mechanic. I, there's there's one called artificial pilot in there, and I I like to run very small character, like a few characters, like even one or two people playing, where I'll scale everything down just to help kind of learn and train the game. Uh, but also because you can really focus on individual character stories uh, uh, that way, or even in a group of four, I feel like you can do that as opposed to like a group of six or eight sitting at a table. And I really like artificial pilot because as a mechanic then my drone can literally fly me around the galaxy uh which uh is pretty cool uh in a lot of ways uh, and i feel like opens up some cool narrative interaction and that's what i really like about a lot of these abilities too they do something cool mechanically uh but they do something that really takes the story in a different direction and i and i think that um that you know that can just really uh uh help you tell more um, more sprawling sorts of stories and, and, and allow you to further develop your character, which I think is really cool. Just sure. a couple other just a couple other standouts. Uh, one that we had some art up recently was uh, one of our Solarian options, which allows you to turn your uh, solar or your solar manifestation into a grappling hook and cable line. 
Um, and that combines really well with one called Heavy Landing, which I've seen some of our fans already who've, who've gotten their advanced PDFs of this uh, enjoying, which is where you can turn your falling damage into a damage boost because you're just reaping all of the gravity and impact and turning it into a much stronger punch or, or whatever else you're using. Uh, so I, I love all these movement-based options that are popping up. Yeah. I'm also you fond of the... Uh, <laughs> Solarian Batman. I'm also fond of the envoy improvisations. Like, there's one in particular that I could see uh, the perfect insult improvisation. I could see building an entire character around somebody who just, that's their specialty, is standing back and just analyzing whoever they meet and then finding just the perfect cutting insult to just <laughs> cut them down and get the job done. <laughs> And for a little bit of detail to the fans, this is allowing you to basically use your culture skill as a weapon um, to, yeah. to, uh, to debilitate your enemies. Because you know exactly what's going to piss them off. Yeah, so tons <laughs> of cool options in here. Uh, also, uh, just to quickly touch on it, we also have a whole bunch of equipment that shows up later on as well. Because what is an exploration uh, book without the, you know, the crampons and the jetpacks and the floating backpacks, etc., that are going to help you not die on that terrifying planet that you have been sent to explore. <laughs> but speaking of uh, terrifying environments, the a huge portion of this book is really about the environments themselves. Uh, we introduced all of these biomes uh, in brief in Starfinder earlier, but Joe, I understand that uh, this book really fleshes these environments out. Can you tell us a bit about the biomes? Yeah, absolutely. So there are 12 biomes in this book, and a biome is something like a desert or forest or even airborne. We even have weird as one of the biomes for the stranger worlds that might be undead or like living planets or something like that. Um, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of variation there. Um, and each each of these biome sections comes with a lot of details for players and GMs, again, um, that help you explore worlds that have those biomes. And so you might have a desert planet, or you might just be in the desert part of a specific planet, right? And you want to know, what's it look like? We have that in the flavor text. You want to know, what's, what's some, uh, what are adventures who are from planets like that like? When you're building your own character, you know, you're doing your origin story. You can also dip into the biomes and say, well, I'm from, a, I'm from an aquatic environment. What's that look like? Um, and then you'll get some ideas there. Um, also, aquatic worlds, when, it's, when it is an entire aquatic world, uh, we'll have details for you there. On, and not just, you know, not just Earth-like aquatic worlds, but stranger stuff still. Um, real, there's some real alien twists to a lot of these things. Like, what's an alien forest like? You can read the forest biome and find out. Um, and then on top of that, we have our tables, of course. We have a toolbox in each biome, each of the 12, which has inhabitants. So not only people who might live there and have cultures and cities and who might talk to you, but also threats that are appropriate to those environments. So those are great for GMs that are trying to populate. You know, it's like, oh, we just landed in a forest. Who's there? What's there? Well, we have tables for that. There's also adventure hooks, and uh, those are all themed to those biomes as well. So we have forest-themed adventure hooks. We have subterranean adventure hooks. Um, and then, of course, there's player options for each of these biomes. So we just saw some art from the aquatic biome uh, and some of the cool things in that section. Flavor-wise, there's a little sidebar about uh, aquatic instruments like the Christochord and Illumitone that don't have a mechanical function, but are just fun. They have fun little descriptions about what they're like, like what is what are musical instruments like underwater um, that I really like. And then uh, there, are, uh, for the player options, there's four new advanced melee weapons and long arms. 
um, that have the underwater special property. So that so this equipment, you don't, it's not restricted to the environment that it's related to. Um, you can use it across the galaxy, but it's thematically tied to it. Um, and then the other piece of art I think we have for this is uh, marsh biome art. I think uh, might be Obazaya struggling, or is it? Yeah, it looks like it. Struggling yeah. with some vines in a marsh, a marshy environment. And uh, this this section, in addition to all the things that I just said, the inhabitants table and adventure hooks and stuff, you know, it's got three new feats, um, including uh, silt shield, which I'll let John talk about. I think John, you're pretty familiar with that feat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and just to enjoy the art for just a quick sec uh, more also, uh, one of the things that's that's fun to notice about all the artwork in this section is that each one of them features one of the Iconics undergoing mm. some sort of environmental, uh, usually trauma, where it's like, <laughs> uh, where, where Zamir is like checking out his comm unit and panthers are about to eat him, uh, or in that case, Obozai has crash landed on a, a marshy area and is having none of it. Um, the Silt Shield feat, though, that Joe referenced, is a feat that allows you to say, wow, I sure am in an area with dirt and mud. What if I just slather myself with it? But but I'm good at doing so. So it lets you like camouflage yourself in natural environments and basically pull uh, a, a predator moment. Um, and uh, yeah, you, can, you can shout, get to the chopper all you want. Um, and, but in this case, you can do so with a higher mischance uh, when you're in concealed terrain. Um, yeah, and... and uh, I'd like to just sort of reiterate, like the, these these are kind of new new things for us. So uh, it was really fun to be able to create some of these uh, sample chapters and uh, work with all the authors to create a unique and alien insight into what each of these biomes could be. That way, it's as just said, not just forest with trees, but what what could a low gravity marsh look like? Um, what does a marsh mean when you have like planar portals? How does that change how everything works? So all of our adventure hooks are even tying in the supernatural elements that make this a science fantasy setting. Yeah, and just to contextualize um, how these are used, right? Um, this is this is in the second chapter called Infinite Worlds, where you are making your own worlds if you want, whether again, as a GM or as a player. And it's a five-step process <laughs> that you roll on some tables and you find out what's, what kind of world. Is it terrestrial or a gas giant? Uh, that's a quick one roll on one table. Then you roll gravity and, gravity and atmosphere. See how that is it toxic? You know, is it a thin atmosphere? Is it just normal? And then biomes are another step of that. Well, you'll roll up one or more biomes. You can decide when to stop there. And then uh, we'll talk about cultural attributes later. Those are another thing you find out about your world that you're building. And then just some finishing touches. And in about four or five rolls, you have created a world that the book will then tell you more about. And the biomes are just a, an extension of that. So it's pretty, pretty cool. And that's, that's to me, the really super cool sort of aspect of, of this book. I know I keep uh, talking about it, but just to extrapolate like on the biomes, right? So as a GM who likes sandbox campaigns and, and exploration to go that way, what's super awesome is that, yeah, I can just quickly roll up just like with the deck of many worlds. I can quickly create some worlds uh, if, my players want to kind of challenge the limits of the drift and, and explore the vast and figure out what's out there. I can do it pretty quickly. But if I'm a player too, and I'm just trying to figure out my character's backstory and I'm like, where am I from? I can go to that same uh, set of tables at the start of the book and I can start rolling. Uh, uh, and I, I can create a planet right there that will help me 
uh, influence my origin. And then if I want to go even a little further, I can take character concepts. Uh, Saul and I were talking about this earlier. We can take character concepts right of the adventure hooks if we want to. Like I rolled a 13 for Arctic. So if I'm a uh, uh, a, a Arctic explorer or something, I, I might, this, this, this uh, hook is a sparkling uh, glacial palace, palace boasts an ancient expansive library. When a new cavern is discovered that may contain lost secrets of the gap, numerous uh, groups angle to gain access and decipher the information uh, first, which my, my brain immediately went to kind of a Lara Croft kind of character uh, uh, that was like, oh, cool, like how, how can I be looking for this ancient library? And how could I build, uh, I think about the, the exploration-based archetypes from the, the core rulebook, uh, how could I be a seeker out there trying to, to, to find this, uh, these artifacts and, and build themes and concepts around that? So what's really cool to me is, again, lots of resources for GMs but also lots of resources for players if your GM's okay with you opening the book or maybe you don't tell them, who knows. But. <laughs> <laughs> one, one little bit of, uh, to close up on uh, biomes before we look later in the book. Uh, as a teaser for people who love creature companions, also biomes are a great place to find new creature companions and Galaxy Exploration Manual does have a lot of really weird ones to share. Mm -hmm. um, but when I when I uh, turn to the next uh, part of this chapter, I'm finding like a chord and magic and these aren't biomes. So Joe, what's going on here? So yeah, this is another step of the process that I alluded to, which is, you know, you've got your physical world built and you know some of the creatures and maybe some of the adventure hooks that might be happening there, but you want to know more about it. So we have, again, rolling just a few times on a table, you find out what is the level of magic there? Is, is it high magic? Is there is magic play a prominent part? Is it sort of medium, which in the Starfinder setting means it's still there. People are casting spells, but you know, you're not gonna shock anyone if you if you use a zero level spell in front of them. Or is it low magic where they're gonna be it might be outlawed or it might be uncommon or whatever? Um, and there's each of these, so we have magic, religion, technology, and accord, which is how well does everyone get along uh, internally. So Earth might be considered medium accord, where there are organized states, but some of them are in conflict. Um, some of them are united in you know, global organizations, that kind of thing. Whereas high accord might be, it might be a utopian thing where everyone gets along just because, or it might be tyranny is causing everyone to get along because they have to or else. <laughs> um, whereas low <laughs> accord can be any number of mixture of things. So here we have a beautiful piece of art from the magic section of this book. Um, Love, love this art. So, so those, those are culture attributes that um, all have, again, adventure hooks. They have descriptions to describe what a high tech or a low magic world might look like and what it might be like to go there or be from there. Um, and then there are player options for each of these sections as well. So Accord has a leadership system that lets PCs become leaders of any kind of organization they want. There's uh, magic has new spells, as you might imagine. Tech has new tech items. And religion has some new armor upgrades, including one that lets you, uh, that's benefit depends on which of the core 20 gods you might worship. So there's there's just lots of stuff going on in here. And, and if I didn't mention it, there are adventure hooks that relate to each of those um, high, medium, or low levels of, of, of a certain cultural attribute. I stopped talking there for a second just to give someone else a chance to jump in because I will talk forever about this. Um, like, I want, yeah. 
Well, I, I was just kind of starstruck over the art, honestly, like the, the yeah. art that came up because I love really cyberpunky Starfinder campaigns. Like I, I kind of always infused that flavor and I was just looking at the right side of that image going, oh, I want to I want to steal that idea and that idea and I could incorporate that. Uh, so that's what I was doing there. It's a little starstruck. John, John, that's one of my favorite ahead, pieces in the book because it, it, mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite pieces in the book because it goes it really is great in terms of melding the weird and the cyberpunk and the strange it's one of my favorite elements of the starfinder setting yeah john will you allow me to roll an adventure hook from the high medium or low magic table (laughs) i did not need this with you beforehand all right i'm gonna roll i'm gonna roll on the high magic adventure hooks let's see so i don't have a d20 but i have my trusty 3d6 that will keep me in the bounds (laughs) of the table so i got an 11. So this uh, is what it's like having Joe at the table. Yes, <laughs> Look, I didn't bring my D twenty, but it's fine. <laughs> my my uh, laser does one D four, but as you can see, I only have three D six here. So yes. <laughs> uh, so eleven on the high magic adventure hook is xenobiologists believe the world they're surveying is a bundle of eggs of a massive magical beast and seek to preserve this new life. So. I think Sol was just talking about things getting weird. Uh, we're not afraid to get weird with these. <laughs> so uh, that. That is just one thing that that could you could find, and and again, there's multiple tables um, and a lot of other stuff going on. So, oh gosh. So basically, to summarize, Speak, to, yeah. to summarize now, we we have we have so many tools for creating worlds on the fly, um, as folks had summarized earlier. So we have the atmosphere, we have the gravity, we have the different biomes. Now we also have these attributes. All of these can help you to shape your stories. And uh, the book's introduction even has sort of a, a, a dramatized version of how to use the book to create your own world and your own campaign. Uh, that can be a, a fun read. Um, so now that we have all these worlds, it's really more of a question of what are we doing with this? Like, how do we even run a game where the entire galaxy is open up to us? And that's where I think the following chapter really comes into its own, because this is about running one of those open-ended sorts of stories, uh, a chapter called Sandbox Adventures. Uh, who's excited? I'm excited. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Take us away. <laughs> uh, so I, I love sandbox chapters in, in, in um, almost all, like I've played, I think something like 40 or 50 different types of role-playing game systems in my time as a, a, a tabletop gaming nerd. And I will say I've read a lot of sandbox advice. I, I, I love sandbox campaigns. I love open-ended uh, campaigns. I personally, I know I'm biased. I work for Paizo, but I personally think this is one of the best sandbox chapters that I've ever read uh, in a book um, because of how not only detailed, but flexible it is. Uh, and just helpful for if I'm a new GM, especially. Like if I'm, if I'm not uh, like some of the folks in this panel who've run a lot of games, uh, and I'm like, oh, do I want to GM a game? Oh boy, open-ended, that sounds like a lot of work. I don't know if I have time for that. These uh, rules for me really just help not only give kind of a step-by-step uh, uh, sort of uh, guidelines, but also just really smart and sensible um, uh, advice on on what is the, 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 the core sort of piece to focus on. There's a, a chapter on creating player basis and just thinking about, and, and what's nice about this chapter is kind of as you read it, or at least with me, I kind of created a mental map and it kind of helps to create a, a, a sort of a, a core that you can expand out of, of, oh, 
if I start with where the players are located and what they do, I can start with, okay, let's make a planet around that. And as, as Joe and John said, I've got all these great tools in the biome section and in the, the sections of the media part of the, or the, the beginning part of the book to do that. Uh, so I go ahead and I start to create this, this planet and then I get a little smaller and I, and I say, okay, uh, maybe they work out, they're, they're a, a bunch of bounty hunters that work out of a bar uh, on this planet. And so now I flesh that out. And now I say, okay, who comes into the bar? Who interacts with the bar? And then there's a section on how to create NPCs in sandbox campaigns, the interfaces with that. And so what's really cool is that you can start small and build out a little bit more and build out a little bit more and build out a little bit more. And it really helps you world build. And I think that that to me is a great resource that helps break things down into a, a more manageable chunk that I can work on. So yeah, I, I love this chapter. It's my favorite chapter in the book easily. How about you, Sol? What, what excites you about Sandbox Adventures? Well, uh, actually, I've never, um, I'm on the other end of the spectrum that I'd never thought about doing a Sandbox Adventure until I was working on this book and was editing these chapters and thinking, huh, that actually sounds like a lot of fun. Like, uh, I could build something out of this. Like, I, I've, been de I've been DMing uh, for about 10 years for uh, one group, and at this point, it's always been hard for me to build uh, an open-ended campaign that was as open as I wanted it to be. So this really was a lot of good advice for building a, a sandbox campaign. And I, I feel like you can use this, like it, obviously it's perfect for Starfinder, but like I could also see using it for a Pathfinder campaign or one of the other systems I run. It's just, it's, it's just good advice and good rules for building your jamming skills. And just to give a little bit of structure as to how this is uh, this chapter is built. Uh, in addition to providing you all sorts of great advice, alongside that, the book is giving you uh, a way of creating a sample area and sample campaign. Uh, so it'll it'll introduce a concept and they'll say, let's go through this together. Because yeah, sometimes creating a sandbox adventure or a new place is not intuitive. And we want to make sure it's as easy as possible. Uh, and that means showing off how to do it. Yeah, one of the cool things is that this was written by our uh, one of our Adventure Path developers, Jason Tondro, and then it was developed by our other Adventure Path developer, Jason Keeley. So uh, <laughs> you have some real experts like giving you the straight the straight dope on what to do uh, when you want to do this. Like I can't think of anyone better, right? Except you know Ron Lundine maybe, who also pitched in on on talking up some of the ideas that came, that ended up in this chapter. So it's. It's like a masterclass and it's really, we were lucky to have it. So pretty exciting. Yeah. And that deeper secret section, I, I love it because it's like, okay, how can I, <laughs> how can I add, how can I sprinkle in some intrigue? Cause I, I, as I said, I like cyberpunkish sort of stuff, but I really like intrigue and letting players dig in. And so, as I talked about like making that core and then those sections around it, there's also advice on how to make that a little bit more insidious. Uh, you know, what's going on in the bar that might under underestimate uh, the players or undermine the players? Uh, what's going on uh, in all the connections outside of on this planet uh, that's a threat that could be an immediate adventure hook? And again, because you've got tons of adventure hooks in the back uh, of those tables, too. We haven't talked much about those, but we've got all these great adventure hooks in the back that allow you to roll up ships and spells and all sorts of cool ideas. Uh, uh, what's great about that uh, is is that I've I've got tools right there that I can kind of link this, and so as I come up with secrets that hey maybe I want to help uh, the players explore my answer to the gap, you know what what is my version of of what happened in the gap, and we want to explore that 
uh, I, I can lay some of those secrets and infuse them easily into all these components. So yeah, it's, it really is a masterclass, Joe. That's a great description of it. One of the things that stands out uh, from what I've been hearing from folks is, uh, in particular, Sol, your part about having GM'd for over a decade for the same group and, you know, sometimes needing to do something a little bit different. Uh, really, the, the next part of the book that stands out to me from what you said is this part about subgenres, where you take something familiar and you say, how am I going to twist this game into a slightly different theme or a slightly different setting uh, to, to fit the story that I want to tell? Um, so can you tell us a little bit about these subgenres? I, I understand we have some really fun art of Novasi experiencing one of the subgenres in particular. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is basically the, the subgenres. Oh, we all love this art. This, this is one of everybody on the other team 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 was a big fan of this. Uh, space Western art, and we do have uh, they're more like the chapter on subgenres is more like write ups uh, on how you can tweak the Starfinder setting or your new setting to fit in not just space westerns but also military sci-fi, cyberpunk, uh, hard science fiction, high science fantasy. So those are interesting skewing of the uh, various elements, planetary survival, post-apocalyptic. There's lots of fun ideas in here. Um, oh, time travel. I forgot about that one. Time travel is a really fun idea. Uh, just little information, you know, hints about this is generally what this subgenre involves. This is what how you can twist the uh, Starfinder setting or your new setting or whatever you're building into focusing on these themes and these ideas. Uh, and I admittedly, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a huge fan of barriers between the ideas of genre. So I love the idea that some of these can meld together. So like you could have a post-apocalyptic planetary survival story or uh, military time travel, like something from Stargate or something, you know, fun things like that. Uh, it just lots opens a lot of possibilities, especially if like maybe you've seen Starfinder and you've never really thought science fiction is really not my thing. Science fantasy is really not my thing. I, I'm, you know, some people aren't big on the idea of, you know, hopping in a starship and traveling the galaxy. But if you're just on one planet doing a bunch of parallel worlds or hopping through time or just dealing with cyberpunk adventures, you know, it's a lot of possibilities and a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely a great way to adapt a fun game to whatever purpose you needed to do. For sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's another it's another thing where, you know, if you want to have a if you're running a campaign and you want to explore some cyberpunk stuff, you can have a cyberpunk planet in Starfinder and it can be in the same system as a space western planet. because why not? It's Starfinder. So it, it definitely lends itself to like these episode of the week kind of things that uh, can also be really popular for people in campaigns in the Starfinder setting or just with the Starfinder system. Just to uh, reiterate one of the earlier points, as, as Leo brought up, we have so many tables in here. So once you do choose your genre and you, you just need a random settlement, you need a random NPC or random treasure, we have so many tables to help you generate that and fit whatever whatever it is that your players have thrown at you as a curveball. I, having GM'd a lot of games where I have a plan and the players also have a plan <laughs> of make sure John's plan doesn't work, um, I, I very much appreciate having all of these different options for, uh, saying the players will go right and they'll go left, left, left. And, um, I have to figure out on the fly what exactly is going on here. Um, so if you also have one of those, uh, 
we'll call them creative tables and not combative tables, uh, then this is a wonderful book for you to play around with. Um, John, did you say treasure? So, I did say treasure. <laughs> Uh, well, there is a treasure table, and I have these 3D6 on me. I don't know if you knew about that. Yeah! <laughs> I'm going to roll up some treasure. I understand 3D6 is something you really like, Joe. Yes. So these are D20 tables, and there's, there's what, five of them? Because we provided treasure at different levels of credits, right? So you need to give the PCs 1,000 credits worth of treasure. You can always find a cred stick with 1,000 credits on, on it, or you can roll on this table and see what comes of it. Let's roll on the 25... That, yeah, 25,000 credit table. I'll roll my 3d6 on this d20 table. And I got 12. And that is a law enforcement badge made of adamantine. Inscribed into the back is a set of stellar coordinates in an asteroid field. So a lot of these, um, a lot of these treasure items end up having weird implied stories of their own and can be adventure hooks, really, or even like lead to entire campaigns. Because you know, you always know, like parties will latch onto things like that and be like, "This has to mean something," and it can. Um, it can mean whatever you want, or you could just sell it for twenty-five thousand credits <laughs> next time you're, uh, <laughs> next time you're at your local your, your local space shop. But uh, that is one of again well, more than like a hundred. So yeah. And speaking of players latching onto things, you know, the easiest way to get a player to latch onto your NPC and decide that this is their new best friend and they want to be with them forever is to give them a great quirk. And so you've got this great hundred, like there's literally a hundred character quirks to choose from in the NPC toolbox. And uh, they're delightful. I love character quirks. So uh, the idea of getting to play an NPC who makes up a nickname for everyone they meet or who's gullible enough to have accidentally joined not one but two cults like that's a lot of fun <laughs> okay i know you I'm just like, read a couple out but you have to roll one now <laughs> you have to okay. roll okay i'll roll one let's see you got 3d6 <laughs> uh, i've got my okay these see. tables use percentile uh, dice not 3d6 yeah. <laughs> yeah they do use percentile and i do have percentile dice so i rolled a 76 and entry 76 is uh very contrarian and loves to argue even when they agree i've known people like that i don't know anyone no you don't <laughs> I, I think i went through that phase in high school so <laughs> nice I, so, all right, so I'm sorry, John. Talking. I'll stop. I'll stop yelling. Roll things. <laughs> I'm just excited <laughs> about the tables. I'll put my 3D6 yeah. away. Did you have something you wanted to jump in with there, Leo? Well, I I was gonna say, did someone say starships? No, no one did. But I don't <laughs> care because I love the star, the legendary starships table. Uh, the, I I was just looking at one. I rolled a 13, and but but the ideas that can come just out of all sorts of like. For me, when we were talking about exploration, even like I would, I would go, "Oh, cool! Uh, an, an NPC that loves to argue uh, and sends you on a mission, uh, and then you get a random encounter with this starship, uh, the Springs Eternal, a Goran bioarc that resembles a skyscraper-sized tree, boasts terraforming capabilities designed to establish Goris Prime, but which have also been used on the other world." So I can, I can take that NPC table, I can throw in a memorable quirk, uh, and then I can. Build it. I can go right into a random encounter with this giant, massive tree floating across space uh, uh, that has this really cool mission of of terraforming attached to it. So anyway, uh, not to hijack things, but I, I love these tables. We all do. Yeah, and so, the other useful one in the starships is the starship name table, where like your players are like we're going to go off. And we found this wrecked starship. What's it called? It's called uh uh the uh uh. 
dancing vision, and you just keep going. <laughs> Roll is a very useful tool for the DM. <laughs> so we have the benefit of being able to look at all these cool tables and answer all of our own questions about what Galaxy Exploration Manual has to provide. But at this point, like a lot of our audience doesn't. So I'm hoping that we can start to get some questions in chat, uh, and we can see about uh, answering those here. So first one I see from uh, R.A.L. or R.A. Lamorte is, did this book have a hand in creating Band on the Run? I'll, I'll hazard a guess of probably not directly, but um, yeah, I, th I think There's, that was yeah, sort of its own it. brainstorming meeting. <laughs> yeah. There's some band on the run in here. I'm the editing lead on the Starfinder one shots, and there's some band on the run in here, though. I uh, I will say mm -hmm. in that, uh, or there's some Galaxy Exploration Manual rather in band on the run. In that, um, I do I do think uh, the NPCs and sort of the like. What's what's really cool about the way that I see Starfinder Adventures developing is as we add more and more material, like the Starship Operations Manual. If, as we add the Character Operations Manual, as we now add the Galaxy Exploration Manual. Uh, as I think about all these new options and cool things, you do see the characters flesh out and sort of continue to expand and add. And, and I think about some of the encounters that are in Band on the Run. Uh, there's, there's uh, as, we, as we talk about, this isn't just a combat book. This is an exploration book. And there's a really cool encounter that I won't spoil in Band on the Run. But let's just say that it, it maybe channels some Bill and Ted's uh, adventure sort of <laughs> stuff where you can do you can kind of use music to take it to uh to your enemies uh as i think about that and i think about some of the quirks uh in this book and some of the tools to build npcs i definitely see an influence there so yes while they were separate brainstorm meetings i i do see some things that we, we definitely have in this book in band on the run as well all right got a question from folk clan somebody mentioned stargate any gate travel options in this book to travel. Hmm. Anything come to mind for you, John, from the class options section in particular? Uh, there's a little bit in the Witch, in the Witch Warper, I believe, which has uh, some art of an android Witch Warper hopping dimension. So there's there's a little bit of like mm. portal jumping there. Uh, if you like uh, portal stuff as well, uh, you might also want to check out Near Space, which has uh, I think what is it Tefenthel? Is that the one that has all the uh, portal jumping societies? Um, so there, there are some of those, but I don't remember too many specifics of portal technologies in Galaxy Exploration Manual, but there are many adventure hooks that could really easily be adapted to it. Yeah, there are a lot of adventure hooks here, so almost anything you can think of might be in here. There is, there is one feature of this book we haven't even mentioned that I know Leo is excited to talk about that we might, if we can squeeze it in between questions, we might mention. But I leave that to you, John, your discretion. Maybe we don't mention it at all and you just have to find out. I don't know. Oh my gosh, buying the book to find out what's in the book. Uh, so I see one from Torden341. Was this developed with the Deck of Many Worlds? They feel very much like companion products. They're 100% <laughs> companion products. Uh, at the beginning, I was saying that this was sort of a, a natural extension of the Deck of Many Worlds where, and you can use them together, right? You can take the world that you generate with the Deck of Many Worlds. You absolutely don't need it for this product at all because everything you need to make a world is in the book. But, and we do have a little sidebar in the book that tells you this, you can make a world with the deck of many worlds, which will tell you exactly what kind of technology is at high, medium, or low. It'll tell you all your cultural attributes and your biomes. It's also the biomes work with it. So you can take that information from the deck of many worlds world that you built 
and come to the book and find out a lot more about your worlds. So it's just, I'm super excited about it. I'm going to be making worlds nonstop after I get my physical copy. And uh, I hope others are too. And I would love to hear about them if you do. But yeah, definitely a lot of parallels on purpose um, because we, we love this stuff. <laughs> All right. From TRG or TRDG11, uh, could you go into some of the space exploration and planet side exploration, please, for the next AP? Uh, I think that we're, we're going to be seeing a little bit of that, in fact, in uh, Horizons of the Vast. So and that was the thing that uh, that was the thing we didn't mention at all, which is that there is a, a exploration system in this book as well. Yep, and that that system is used to dramatic and wonderful effect in uh, Horizons of the Vast that we'll actually be talking about tomorrow uh, at three o'clock in the Starfinder Adventures panel, which I'm moderating. Uh, Jason Keeley will be on to talk specifically about that. So if you're really interested in that, uh, yes, there's there's a lot of this book's exploration system used uh, to, to great effect, like I said, in, in that AP. And I would encourage you to turn in, or tune in, excuse me, uh, tomorrow at three as well for that. I see one from Delver Benti. Most of my best sessions seem to involve combat. Is there much in here to make other kinds of things more interesting for murder hobos? <laughs> I'll, I'll start Absolutely. with we even, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean we have uh, we have augmentations, we have armor upgrades, armor feats, medicinals, personal items, serum spells, uh, tech items, of course, weapons and weapon fusions. We've got all sorts of all sorts of goodies. There's even a player character option index specifically if you're just looking for. You have a regular index as well, but we have the like just give me the good stuff that I can boost my murder hobo with and make them a merciless, even more merciless killer of all things that move for some reason. But yeah, all play styles <laughs> supported. This is the galaxy after all. Uh, so. What you do well, when you get kind of sounds like they business. were asking. Hmm. <laughs> it, it did kind of sound like they were asking if there was ideas to uh, coax people out of that or to could enjoy ah. in addition to. In which case, mm -hmm. the exploration system, I really do have to double down that the, the exploration system is great. And like, I, I can definitely see that intriguing and catching the attention of people who've mostly been focused on the combat system, because it's usually, you know, what's developed first in an RPG like this. Uh, but the exploration system, I think, will definitely win people over in that regard. <laughs> Oh yeah, my bad. Totally misunderstood that question. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> clarifying. There's, yeah. Uh, so I have one from No Direction. Uh, can you explain the outline system in the campaign section on page one thirty-seven? It looks <laughs> efficient. Uh, this is the uh, the the Alket map uh, that we were talking yeah. about a little bit in the pre-show. In fact, uh, anybody want to jump on that? I, I love this map. Uh, I love Elcat. I love everything we've done here. So if it's okay, I'm gonna. Uh, I, I um, yeah. I, what I what I really love about this is is that there's a great question, no direction, because it it really like it exemplifies what I was talking about earlier, which is you can start with that uh, core concept when that's what the section does. It says, hey, what does Elcat one look like? Look like, and then it's like, wait. There are moons, Alcat, right? And there are bases and, and, and satellite stations. And as you're building out, and there is a map, uh, uh, kind of a concept map 
that really kind of helps not only show what the LCAT system looks like, but kind of show you how the hooks interface uh, with it. And while they're not on the map itself, the, the, uh, the section uh, extrapolates and talks about, okay, here's how an adventure on LCAT might go down. Uh, and I think that's, that's exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about the brilliance of this sandbox system is that that's what you can do. You can just be sitting, you know, watching, uh, watching a sci-fi show on TV and go, oh, that's a cool planet idea. Let's do something with that. And then if you, if you sit down with the sandbox rules, it will help you flesh out all the little pieces of that system uh, that will really help you. Uh, you can integrate immediately into your adventure. And I think that's just super cool because I'm a notebook person. I'm a person who scrawls ideas for planets and NPCs all the time uh, on Evernote, especially on my phone. Ashley would be like, what are you doing? Are you Facebooking? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I just came up with an NPC idea. Uh, and so what's, what's super cool uh, is, is uh, we've, you've got real tools to do that. So yeah, that, that Alcat app gets me super excited. Yeah, right, for context, Alcat is the, oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, just the Alcat is the system that you create, the, the campaign that you create alongside. It's a sample thing given with uh, the sandbox section that, that describe that. So we're not just telling you how we're showing you how it works in practice. That's all. Nice. Good. Idea. Yeah. One, good point. One question to close us out and then uh, we'll see about making room for a cool follow-up interview with Joe Pacini about galaxy exploration manual that you should stick around for um, is a quick fire one for every one of us here. Uh, what was your favorite biome? <laughs> I mean, weird. weird. Definitely the weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay, weird. <laughs> I, I love weird sci-fi. It's got to be the weird one. Am I boring that I really liked the forest one because I really liked the hooks uh, in the forest mm. one? I thought that they uh, they took something that could be considered relatively mundane and really made it fun. And you know what what planet doesn't have some sort of arboreum or trees on it, right? So I just. Uh, I, I well, I guess a desert one, but hey, um, uh, I, I liked that quite a bit. You, you don't need to justify it, but it also has cool creature companions. So I mean, there's lots to like in the forest biome for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it does. Yeah, and I I also enjoy the weird. Uh, it it was a <laughs> wild one to work on, uh, and it's just an opportunity for us to say, yeah. <laughs> throw, throw words at a page. By golly, that's 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 half that's a half coherent idea. Run with it. Um, so we're excited to see what you can uh, what you will pull together from uh, all these great biomes, from all these great uh, tables and hooks and ways of running adventures that are available in the Galaxy Exploration Manual. So as we wrap up, I want to quickly thank Leo, Sol, and Joe for uh, joining us here and telling us all about this cool book that is going to be available in, oh geez, like a week, um, give or take. And uh, we're excited to see what adventures, what planets, what worlds, uh, what stories you come up with it as well. So again, stick around for that follow-up interview that's coming up in just a few minutes. And thank you very much for your questions. We look forward to talking with you more throughout PaizoCon. I'll be available in the uh, PaizoCon Discord as well to answer some more questions about Gem. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you later. <laughs>